the blast from our past network. This week on Talking Back. We need to organize and send out a search party. Volunteers will be appreciated. I think it's fair to say that our smoothly running facility has suddenly developed a few problems. I can only hope we are able to all pull together over the next few days until the rescue team arrives for Lieutenant Ripley. It's here. You got Clemens. Stop this raving at once. I'm Stop telling it. you. It's here. <laughs> Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me, as usual, is co host Dean. Tim, check us out. I got the Ripley cut today. <gasps> You've got the Ripley cut. Look I at got that. the Ripley cut today. Very nice, Dean. Very Just nice. Just for this episode, man. You're a dedicated member of this team. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, I'm going to get right into it because we've got a lot of stuff to go through. Yeah, man. Sounds good to me. I had some bits prepared, but I guess I'll do them next time. No bits. Save it for the next one. There'll be lots of time. There'll be lots of time to talk about whatever we want in uh, Alien Resurrection. <laughs> hey, hey now. I like it. I like it. I like it too. I've been looking forward to this one. A lot of people might find that hard to believe, but I, I really like this movie. And I will explain why as we go through this podcast. But this one, Alien 3, I always forget to introduce what we're doing. I just assume people right. know. I assume people... Yeah all week have been prepping for the show like we have. But that's not the case, <laughs> is it? You don't let anyone know what we're doing, Tim. You refuse. So. They don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're doing Alien 3. We're continuing on in our Alien franchise walkthrough. And yes. listeners, thank you for joining. It's very I, nice to have you along with us this week. I have a very important question right off the bat. All right. just Why do doesn't anyone call it Alien Cubed? Uh, because it takes place in tunnels. That's Tim. That's a great point. <laughs> yeah. So, any other questions, Dean? <laughs> Touche. Okay. You you got it there. <laughs> All right. Released on May twenty second, nineteen ninety two, with a budget of fifty million dollars, it grosses one hundred and sixty million dollars. So very nice return. Yeah, that is pretty good. Riding on the coattails of the Alien and Aliens fame. Right, I was expecting with all the, the hate this movie gets that it wouldn't have made very much money. But that's that's a good well, it's, return. It's the same type of thing. Like, remember when we were talking about Predator 1 made money, Predator 2 made money, and then Alien versus Predator made a ton of money just because people yeah. know the franchises and want more? I think that's what happened here. Like, Alien 1, banger. Aliens, banger. People are like, I'm going no matter what. Like, no matter yeah, what Yeah, you're not going to miss this one. Yeah. By the time you go, it's too late, right? You've already paid your money, so... Director, David Fincher. I'm a big fan of Mr. Oh, Fincher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big name. I mean, not then, but big name now. Right. Not then. Um, for anybody who maybe doesn't know Mr. Fincher, Seven. Have you heard of the movie Seven? Have you heard of the movie Fight Club? 
Have you? The game? Tim, I have. Dean, have you seen the game? Oh, I've seen the game, Tim. I love the game. Nice, nice. Love it. Panic Room, Zodiac, really good one. The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, The Social Network, and more. Great. This is kind of the opposite game of the, have you ever heard of this movie? And I never have heard of any of them. This is the opposite game where I've heard of every one of them. That's a very good point. Now, the story is credited to Vincent Ward. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Well, I got some stuff to say about that. Okay. I, I, I'm on the edge of my seat, Tim, for that one. <laughs> Starring Sigourney Weaver, Charles S. Dutton, Charles Dance, and Lance Hendrickson. Oh, my goodness, dude. What what an what an astounding cast. Um, I love all those people in this. Oh, man. Those four knock it out of the park in this movie. So good. Every one of them. Every one of them. Even the supporting cast are great. But these four specifically, my goodness, they steal the show. Yeah. When I feel like music makes an impact on a movie, I like to mention it. So I definitely feel like the music in this movie really helped it. It really helped out. It's done by a guy, Elliot Goldenthal. And he hasn't done a heck of a lot, but you will recognize a couple of the movies he's done. He did Interview with a Vampire. And Dean, a first-time watch of yours from very recent, the movie Heat. Oh, nice. Awesome. Now, I just before we get started with the story, I want to do a little bit of background into production. Because we're going to take a little trip through production hell. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> We've been there before, too. Oh, yes, we have. <laughs> we're visiting this, it again. Yeah, we're going to do it again. So originally, the producers want Ridley Scott to direct this movie, but he's too busy. Very nice of them to approach him this time. We talked about it in the yeah. last one. He wasn't even approached for number two. Number three, they want him, but can't have him. Then the producers approach William Gibson to write the script. Now, he is very popular in the cyberpunk genre at the time. And he actually told the producers that Alien had influenced his own writing. Hmm. His contract was for the script, writing the script, and one revision. When he was asked for a second revision, he quit. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now. Okay. There's a lot to talk about with this guy, but we're going to save that, Dean. Okay. We're going to save it because we're going to do a whole episode on this guy's original script, which gets turned into a 2018 graphic novel. We are going to be doing that this week. That's going to be our double feature this week. Okay. We have a special. Awesome. That's a great idea. Yeah. Special guest joining for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Very interesting original script for this movie. So. Yeah. I mean, I mean, on paper, that name, um, it, it's, it's kind of, it seems like a home run to me. Like, like William Gibson, Seems like a home run. Like, it, he's just got these cool sci-fi ideas that I think could really match with this franchise. So um, I'm excited to get into that comic, Tim. Yes, that's what the producers thought as well. So I'll mm, leave it yeah. at that. Now, we move on to Eric Red. He writes a script that he later describes as the one script I completely disown because it was not my script. It was the rushed product of too many story conferences and interference with no time to write and turned out utter crap. Oh, man. Eric Red quits. So up next to the plate, David Toohey. 
And at this point, the president of Fox has declared Sigourney Weaver the centerpiece of this series and that she must return. Sigourney says she'll only return if the story is impressive, original, not dependent on guns, and Ripley must die at the end. Now, meanwhile, the producers hedge their bet and bring on Vincent Ward, a second writer at the same time. He doesn't like Tui's script and comes up with a different idea involving Ripley's escape pod crashing on a monastery satellite. Mm. Ward presents that to Fox execs who love it and hire him to direct the movie. Oh, interesting. Now, dude, this Ward script, this is a fascinating idea. Um, it's got m- much more religious um, undertones to it. Okay. Their, wooden, their satellite in space is all wooden. Right. And there's like monks, religious monks who live there. And when Ripley crash lands, they feel like this is a test sent to them from God to like test their beliefs. Ah. And the alien that's there, they see as the devil punishing them for their sins. So okay. very, very interesting uh, idea. Yeah. Now, uh, listeners, if anybody wants to check this out, just go and search Alien 3 Wooden Planet on Google And there's some really, really interesting production art from the movie. And you'll get a a really neat idea of what they were thinking. And it looks like it would have been pretty interesting. But Tui finds out about Ward being hired to write as well. And Tui quits. Okay. He's out. (laughs) Man. Okay. So with Ward's new script in place, the production crew start complaining about the logistics of actually having to build and maintain this wooden planet set. Right. (laughs) So the producers want to change the script from a wooden planet to an ore refinery and change the monks to prisoners. Ward refuses and is fired. Interesting. Because okay. the thing is, Tim, you can't just, uh, you got to make that wooden planet stuff look good. Because if it doesn't look like it would actually be able to sustain itself in space, we're going to look at that and be like, what the hell is this? This thing can't be floating out in space. So I could see that taking like a lot of effort to uh, work that into production. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's exactly what the production team thought. So they had their worries. So with nobody left to write, producers Walter Hill and David Giller start writing the script themselves. They become exhausted and hire a script doctor. Now, that guy's work is not well received by Sigourney Weaver, and he's fired. Man. Hill and Giller once again take up writing duties, uh, and they basically incorporate ideas from almost all of the previous scripts. Fox hires David Fincher as the new director, and to keep writing the script along with another guy, and that other guy, of course, is fired. <laughs> Fincher himself is fired twice. What? Bef- yeah. Yeah. Before finally revising us a, a final finished script that Hill and Giller will revise one more time and it will be all done with. So okay. Dean, after four yeah. years and seven million dollars, a script is finalized. Wow. The movie was already filming by the time the script was finished. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they already, they're like, okay, hey, let's just knock out some scenes that we know are going to be part of it. Yeah, exactly. So talk oh, about, man. oh my, my goodness, what a I mean, what a yeah, that, that is production hell for sure. Um, oh my goodness. I, it, it must be so frustrating to be trying to get that movie going and just 
constantly having scripts that you are not pleased with i like i i don't know it sounds like there's a lot of uh influence on all of them and maybe that's maybe it's hard to please a number of people at the same time but uh man man that was a that sounds like a lot of work like seven million dollars for a script that's ridiculous wow i blame the aliens Uh, oh yeah for sure seven million is almost like as much as the budget of the first one yeah of the entire film story time let's get into the story great you want to do it you ready wait what i'm ready before we get into the story tim we got to talk about that 20th Century Fox intro, that fanfare. Okay. It was so good. I'm trying to think of it. It was just like, it was the regular Fox music, but then it held on a very eerie note. And oh, yeah. Like it didn't finish, it didn't finish it out totally, and it held on a very eerie note and then just kind of faded off. Yeah. That set the mood for me. I, I got really excited hearing that. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't remembered if they'd done that in the first two or not, but that was that was nice. No, they they hadn't in the first two, and like the first one, that intro is just so iconic. Like it's hard to be that intro. It's it's just so good, gets you right in the creepy mood of the movie. Right. Um. So I think this, even though it's, it's way different, um, set a similar tone. So I, I already knew I was going to get in. I already felt like I was getting into something a little more creepy, maybe than the last movie we just saw, than mm. Aliens, which was more you know more of an action movie. I right away was like, oh, this might take a little bit of a, a darker turn than that one did. Yeah, there's definitely um, like a change in tone because I know in the last movie, there's an opening shot in space and it was black and a nice blue color, nice yeah. blue tone. And this one was space with a, with a nice orange tone. So uh, those are complimentary colors, Dean. Oh, you know what, you know what I think about complimentary colors? Well, I've told you a lot about it already, but yeah, I know. Now, uh, uh, we should say we are reviewing the 2003 assembly cut, okay, which is the extended edition. It is not called the director's cut because the director refused to take part in it. Yeah, he he disowns this movie. He didn't want anything to do with this one. Yeah, apparently they put it together with some notes he had left behind. Basically, I think also his like, um, like his uh, associate director was the one who ended up doing the assembly cut. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So we once again start out in space with a ship. This time it's the Sulaco or the Sulaco, the Sulaco it's called, I think. I always say it wrong. Did you, did you know that? The Sulaco? I don't know how to say it. I, they both sounded right to me, Tim. I think it's Sulaco. Okay. Okay. And once again, it's an immediate continuation of the last movie. This time, though, we see a facehugger on the ship. Now, oh, cool. the immediate dread that is is yeah. produced in my body from this initial scene is huge, uh, because these these crew, um, the crew that we love on the Sul- Sulaco, uh, they have no way of fighting back. Like they can't fight back. So we're just watching them, watching this facehugger have its way with whatever it wants to do. Yeah, Tim, they're sleeping. Yeah, well, they're yeah, they are. They're in stasis. Can't fight back when you're sleeping. And some of these shots of this face hugger mm. are so cool. Like, yeah. I don't know what's going on, but they look so they they look so interesting. And I I look I like I'm very afraid of this of this uh, face hugger. Some shots it looks huge, and yes. then some shots you know it just looks like I don't know. It it came across to me like I was like like it was almost a dream, even like I was dreaming. Right. Like I wasn't even sure if it was real or not, which is a cool thing to set up at the start of the movie. Hmm. I think we learn here 
something new as well about the facehuggers. Um, I, I feel like they are also highly intelligent uh, because they they use their acid blood to melt through the stasis tube. Yeah, right. That so that was interesting. They just do that. They know that they can get through it. So that's uh, we know the xenomorphs are uh, intelligent, but I, I didn't necessarily know how intelligent the facehuggers were. But clearly, yeah. they have intelligence as well. So yeah, I thought, very that, good I thought that was cool. Now, a red alert is set off on the ship and a fire starts. An escape pod is ejected and the pod lands on Fiorina 161, a Wayland yutani mineral refinery and maximum security prison. Oh, cool. I'm I'm loving this so far. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and it looks, again, it looks really cool. Like all these shots in space look, look pretty good. Yeah. We learn that Hicks and Newt are dead as we see the prison superintendent typing a message to his superiors. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into this right off the bat. Yeah. Um, okay. Very polarizing moment. Okay. You're yeah. killing off kind of a couple of the major players from the previous movie in a real um, rough way. Like not a very, not a very yeah. forgiving or soft send off. Now, what are your thoughts on this? Um, so, okay. So my thoughts are if you're watching them all in a row and you have this, you know, this big win at the end of aliens, um, and then it just immediately just changes, changes tones like this. Uh, what it does for me is just sets up what this movie's going to be. Like, I just know it's not going to be a movie like the last one. I don't have really a big beef with it. Um, I think it's like, obviously I love Hicks. Obviously I love Newt. But they're in that movie that I love. I, I don't really need them to also be in this one because the tone of this movie is so different and they don't fit in this movie at all. And I kind of like this movie. So I, it's I, I never really had a problem with it. I thought it was kind of jarring and, and, you know, kind of kind of strange that they were just dead right away. It almost seemed like it was like, OK, well, you know, that kid's going to be older, so you know, we can't really do this. Let's just have them be dead. It's easier. It's easier if they're dead. That's what it feels like. But I also, yeah, I get it. Like, I don't really have a giant problem with it. I'm with you. Uh, yeah. I don't mind it at all. Um, I know lots of people are bothered by the fact that you you kill them off like that. F for me, the name of this franchise is Alien, right? The Alien is our lead character. It's the only yeah. thing that continues on through all the movies. So it's not like this franchise is going to turn on to like the continuing adventures of Hicks and Newt and Ripley, where they just go and they destroy aliens. Like this is life or death. And by killing off these characters, when I'm watching it, I feel like they could possibly kill Ripley. They could kill anybody if they're going to kill these two. I like a shock factor right at the beginning of a movie. Um, this didn't really feel like a big shock factor. Like there's, they are sort of playing it off just like, let's get this out of the way and then continue on with the story we want to tell. Um, but I do enjoy when, if something is like that is going to happen, I like when it happens at the beginning because I'm not expecting it. So if I, when I'm just turning this thing on, okay, let's see what happens. As soon as that happens, I have no idea where the movie's going to go. And I like that feeling. I like sitting yeah. there and having no idea where something's going. Yeah, my, my beef comes in with the way that they get it across to us, basically, is yeah. we learn about it with this guy typing it on a screen. Like, it just says, yeah. like, Hicks, like, deceased from this, like, a uh, new deceased from this. And I just felt like we deserved a little bit more of an emotional send-off uh, for these characters yeah. if they had yeah. done it a little bit more tastefully. 
I think I would have um, digested it a little bit better. Uh, but that's really my only beef is just the way they did it. But like you said, they were just trying to get it out of the way. Yeah. So I understand. They, it. We, we, like we get a eulogy later from uh, Charles S. Dutton, one of his, I don't know, 14 eulogies in this movie. Um, but and it's great. It's great, but which I, I think it actually um, does them more of a disservice than a service, which we'll get mm. to once we get there. I'll explain. But oh, okay, yeah, I, I actually you can know see what, that, probably yeah. know what I'm talking about, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So the prison is full of the hardest criminals, and these criminals are made aware that a female has crash landed. So all these dudes in the prison have found religion and formed a brotherhood. So it's a peaceful place. I think that's a cool dynamic. I do too. I also love the prison as a set. Uh, I love yeah. being in these brick walls. I love the huge tunnels. Um, I love like basically no sunlight. It's just all indoors. Uh, such a great feeling. I love the atmosphere. Oh yeah, it's got a cool. Uh, it's got a cool visually or like visual tone to it as well. Um, where it's, it it feels kind of very claustrophobic. I think it's how it's shot. Um, I think uh, Fincher shoots a lot from the ground up so you can kind of see everything in the room and it's very small. And I think it, it aids to how, um, yeah, how, how claustrophobic it feels, but then how tight the community also feels. Like they all, they're all on the same page and just bringing one woman here, like they know nothing else about her, just bringing a woman here, they're all out of sorts, you know, just because they, they do things a certain way and that's going to, you know, throw a wrench in it and it's going to mess everything up. Yeah, interesting point you made about the way that it was shot because the cinematographer, he shot some movies uh, a little bit similar, like in feel. So mm. he shot Labyrinth. So another movie oh. that's kind of shot like underground yeah. and in confined spaces. Totally. He shot Leviathan, which is like an underwater movie. Uh, yeah. He did a movie, The Keep. Um, actually haven't seen that one, but our, our bros over at podcasting after dark covered that. And from listening yeah. to that, it sounds like it takes place in like a little bit of a fortress or like, uh, right. Yeah. A, a, an old, an old building. So again, um, a keep, if you will, Tim, a keep, I guess it was filmed in a keep, right? <laughs> yeah. Now this is what I found really interesting though, was one of his movies after those three was cliffhanger. Ah, so I'm like, well, how does he go from like in tight stuff to cliffhanger. Yeah. But then I tried to think back to my um, repressed memories of the movie cliffhanger. And I feel yeah. like there were probably a lot of tight shots on that mountain. Like there was probably a lot of yeah. in tight, close work. I could be wrong, but I, uh, maybe that's how his style um, like crossed over into like an open world movie. Yeah, I could see that. Cause there are a lot of tight shots on faces here. Um as well, and I, yeah, I th I, I, that, that's what feels like cliffhanger to me, for sure. So Ripley wakes up for the first time in the movie, and when she hears that Hicks and Newt are dead, her very first thought is to go and check the ship. She, she's not yeah. even sad for their death. She's panicked about how they died, which I thought was so cool. Like, it's just, yeah. the, the, the total fear of this creature is, is just, it never stops, like, being the foremost thing in her mind yeah i felt right like even though we have different feels in all these movies um right away i got the feeling that ripley's the same like this is the same character that i've watched throughout these two movies now and so that's you know that's reassuring to me that i have someone already that i can just latch on to that i, I know this character 
I mean, it makes sense, right? Like her, basically her alien experience hasn't stopped. It's just, she goes yeah. through everything in alien, goes into stasis, wakes up, goes through everything in aliens, goes into stasis, immediately wakes up and is thrown into this situation. So for her, it is this, this never ending, um, this like trail or path of just alien insanity. So we talked about this in the aliens episode where she lost ties to earth with the loss of her daughter. Um, Dean, I wonder what she's lost ties to now that Newt's dead. I thought that was interesting that her new, her new attachment is now gone as well. Now back to no attachments. Yeah. So um, yeah, lots to say on that later. (laughs) So Ripley goes to search the ship and, or the uh, escape pod, I guess, and does find acid marks on one of the cryo tubes. So she's having a bad day. Yeah, she, she's having a very bad day. She knows what's up. And Tim, that eye looks bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Her red eye. Oh, it looks bad. I know. It looks rough. So there's already a really cool vibe going on in this movie between Dr. Clemens and Ripley, where she seems to be coming across as a bit mysterious with like these weird questions that she's asking. Um, like she was wanting to see the crashed pod. She wanted to see the dead bodies. She wanted to examine them. Yeah. Uh, she forced them to do an autopsy on Newt. Uh, yeah. She demanded that the bodies be cremated. And sh- she's like tiptoeing around the situation. She's, she's not giving anybody any straight answers. And then um, Clemens at the same time is picking up on these cues and, you know, wondering what's going on um, on his end. So uh, I, I like this, like this little bit of a mysterious feel, uh, even though we know what's going on. Yeah. Um, she's kind of figuring things out and it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. It's creating an interesting dynamic because um, like he can see that she's pretty beat up and you know, it is, it is a woman, a woman that's been, that hasn't been there for, you know, there hasn't been in there a woman there for so, so long or maybe ever. Um, and he knows she's hiding something from him. So he's like poking for it, but he also doesn't want to like push too hard because he can see like she's in pain. She lost people, you know, she's beat up. So he's trying, he keeps asking, but he's not really being too forceful about it. You know, he like when she changes the subject, he or whatever gives him some BS answer. He, you know, he kind of goes, oh, okay, well, let's just see what that's about. I I really like uh, the dynamic between the two to start off. So Ripley has them do an autopsy on Newt. And this is another really rough treatment um, of Newt's character here that I don't think we needed. Uh, We're forced to hear and see this autopsy happening where they like rip open her rib cage and stuff. It's just, it's, it's harsh treatment. I I think we could have probably avoided. I don't, I don't know why they're like doubling down so hard on the fact that these characters are dead and just like disgracing their, I, I understand like the purpose of it in the movie, but I think you just could have gone about it a different way. Like even watching it now for yeah. probably the 20th time, I don't need that. You can do it a different way. Just tell me it happened and, and it's fine, yeah. you know? I I think it's, for, for me, it's what I was talking about before with Clemens and, and Ripley. Like it's giving Clemens this information without saying anything that this is a really big deal. Whatever she's really nervous about is a big deal because they are, you know, cutting open this little girl that she was crying so hard over when she realized she was dead. So it's like, 
it gives it's giving him a lot and you can see it in his face he's like why the hell are we doing this he's kind of like us we're like why are we doing this why are we cutting her open now the assembly cut gives us a very crucial scene here where we see that a face hugger also laid an egg inside of an ox now i know a big beef of people's was that they complained that the alien in this movie um just how it moves how it looks it's a bit weird but if you know it came from an ox, and uh, we know that the alien will take on characteristics of its host, I think that helps a lot. It makes a lot more sense when you get a little bit further down the line, and this thing is blindly chasing people through tunnels once it's provoked, similar to what a bull would do. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think it moves fine. I think it like looks like shit because it's just that there's some bad CG in this movie in certain places, but like... I think the way it moves is fine. It came out of it like it came out of an ox, like you're saying. Like it's not the same thing we've seen before. It's gonna be different. It's gonna move different. It's gonna look different. Yeah, uh, yeah. The CG in this movie was terrible. It's really, Dude. it's really bad. It's really funny because when the movie opens, I'm like, oh, this looks really neat and artsy. But then when you realize it's just bad CG, <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. Like after you see that alien for the first time, you're like, oh, I think just some of these things aren't really like in the screen like they should be. The movie was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. What? Yeah, so... What year was this? Was it 92? This was 90... 92, yeah. 92. So, we like, we're going to have Jurassic Park next year, and, like, this is what's getting nominated in 92. <laughs> it's wild. Yes, <laughs> yes. Incredible, right? Yeah. Now, we get to this memorial service we mentioned before. It's a very cool juxtaposition of a scene because we have Newton Hicks getting this memorial service. Uh, Dylan is speaking. Whenever this dude speaks, I'm just like, man, give me more, dude. Like, why did you yeah. just stop talking? Why don't you keep going? I will follow I you what anywhere. You Whatever you're telling me to do, I'm coming. I'm on board. Yeah. Say exactly what you just said again, and I'll listen to yeah. it. It's just it's <laughs> yeah. fascinating. I love it. So he's giving so this good. like wonderful eulogy. But at the same time, I feel like their life is kind of disrespected a little bit because they're showing yeah. us a xenomorph being born out of the ox. So in this moment that was supposed to just be nice, we haven't had a nice moment for these characters who have died yet. Let us have like 20 seconds with Hicks and Newt as they're being thrown into this molten lead. Like Just give that to us. But instead... I feel like they disgrace it with this violent and graphic birth of the alien. And I understand, I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. I understand why they did it. I think it's pretty yeah. a pretty cool idea. But again, I'm mm -hmm. me, myself, I'm still looking for some closure on these characters. And we're just not going to get it. They're just like, no, we yeah. will not give you any closure. Yeah, that's interesting. It's very cool, though, because even the words Dylan is saying, like this is what mm -hmm. he says. He says, for within each seed... There is a promise of a flower, and within each death, no matter how small, there's always a new life, a new beginning. And mm -hmm. I think that's a perfect explanation for the xenomorphs. And it's also what their society is there. They're all there because they're horrible, you know, murderers and rapists. And like, these are the worst criminals, and they've all been put here. And they've kind of formed this society where they're 
trying to be good people and trying like not to do anything wrong anymore. So it's like their death was being sent to the prison. And then like this prison is their new life, I think. So I I like the speech. I think it's I think it's needed, but I, I agree that it didn't have to be with Newt and Hicks. Like, there could have been some other death, like some other death that didn't matter, maybe, that we could have had this sort of um, speech, because I think it's it's crucial for, like, the theme of the movie, but didn't have to be o- over top of the Hicks and Newt. Yeah, you're right. They're just giving us no time at all to, like, just have a nice moment with these characters. They're just like, nope, we don't care. Throw them in the fire. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what was going on with all that, but uh, mm-hmm. anyways, very very cool scene. Um, yeah. Also, with a few of the things that we've we've seen already with Dylan, uh, we kind of get the idea here that he's running the show, even though he's not technically the one in charge. He's like he runs this prison, yeah. so he, yeah, he's the main guy. He's cool. Well, and and I will say I will say Tim, the CG is really bad, but the other the practical effects are super good, incredible, and some things look incredible. So I can see that it wins, you know, uh, visual effects if it doesn't have to do with you know CG, just computer graphics, because oh, that sure. stuff sucks. But sure. the other stuff is so good. Yep, agreed. Now we get another really cool scene here, um, to kill scene with this guy scrubbing uh, the air duct. And he gets killed yeah. by the alien. I always remembered this as as a really scary scene, a very scary, intense scene. And the guy yeah. gets killed very violently too. Oh yeah, Th- this was a this was one movie. It's very interesting for me because this was the first alien movie that I saw at an age where I wasn't completely terrified of everything that was happening. The other two I yeah. saw far too young. And right. the scary moments were, were overwhelming. It was, it was too much. Like the first movie I didn't even get through, I turned it off, couldn't watch it. Second one was a little bit better because you've got your Marines who you kind of see as your buddies. Still terrified by that one. But this one, I was ready for it. I was just enjoying it. But at the same time, I was watching it alone in the basement with the lights off. So it is very scary. Uh, but that, I think that's why I have like a really fond uh, uh, like, liking for this movie is because of yeah. the time that it hit me at. It's not it's not what this movie represents in the series. It's it's when I watched it and the the feelings huh. it gave me and the the just the everything that I thought was cool about it was just so cool in my mind at the time. Just this in the prison, in the tunnels. Yeah. Um I was old enough to watch it alone and it was it was very cool. So That's interesting because like it's kind of opposite for me. I I kind of have been clowning on this movie for years cuz I didn't really think I liked it. I mean, I love the franchise, the whole franchise. Like it's, it's my favorite franchise. Um, we're past my favorite too, though, but I think the next, like all of them are interesting to talk about. And I thought this one was interesting to talk about, but I always, I never really liked it. I was never really a big fan of it this time around. I don't know what it is, Tim. I don't, I don't know what it was, but I absolutely like really enjoyed it. Kind of loved it. I, I did the two watch thing, even on the second time I was digging it. I was digging the vibe. I had the same problems I've always had, but they didn't matter this time. I don't know what it was, but it was almost like I went into it being like, okay, I know what the problems are. Let's try to pick out the good things. And I just, I really dug it. I was just, yeah, really vibing on it. Starting with this, starting with this kill, starting with this first kill. Yeah. It's a good movie. I think you definitely have to watch the assembly cut. Don't judge it on the theatrical. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, that's probably why I've been, you know, for years not liking it because I probably watched theatrical. Um, but the, I just want I want to talk about this first kill 
Yeah. Do, do, do you think the alien spits its acid in his face? Because it doesn't. It, it doesn't appear that it like does the inner mouth putting a hole in his head because he's screaming and grabbing his 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 face and then he rolls into this giant fan that dices him as they say well no i don't think it spits acid um i think it just bit him i think it just bit him it's probably so far away that it couldn't like puncture through his head because he kind of he kind of came upon it, right? Like it didn't come upon him and yeah. try to kill him. He kind of he kind of found it hiding, and then it was morphing. I think it was changing, right? So it like attacked yeah. him out of defense. So it probably just bit yeah. him. But yeah, interesting thing I picked up on this time um, in this scene that I had never picked up on before. I'm a big I'm a big oldies fan. I've mentioned that before, and this this dude as he's mopping the floor is singing the lyrics to a song from 1969 which was a number one hit for the band Z- Zagger and Evans. And it's called okay. In the Year 2525. And the whole song, each verse, just tells about how, the, how humans will progress through the ages. And the verse that he's singing is, this is the verse, it's very cool. It says, In the year 7510, if God's a coming, he ought to make it by then. Maybe he'll look around himself and say, Guess it's time for the judgment day. So he's kind of like singing about this impending doom that's coming for all of them in the prison. Interesting. It was definitely like a, a thing the director threw in just to be kind of cheeky. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just thought it was really cool when I heard him singing that. I'm like, wait, I know that song. Cool. I like when movies do stuff like that. Yeah. What I noticed was all the chunks of him that were everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that fan diced him up good. Yeah, this is real. It's a real chunky movie. Like whenever there's like blood spatter and stuff, there's often chunks around it. There's chunks following it. Yeah, it's really it's really gross. I like that uh, he gets killed by the fan, though. Right. Oh, yeah. So the mystery yeah. of what's going on still continues for us. Great. Yes. Great point. There's a death and they don't know. And so, you know, Ripley, when hearing about it, she has an idea of what could be happening, but she still doesn't want to quite talk about it just in case it was just a guy who fell into a fan. Yeah. Now they cut right to Ripley after this scene and it looks like she felt something. Like she kind of like grabs her chest or something affected her. They also showed us a little bit earlier that when the Xeno was being born, she got a nosebleed. So there's some sort of a connection going on yeah that's weird with those yeah. things so with that new guy dying from the fan ripley goes and hooks up bishop to try to figure out what happened on the sulaco now two things i'll say two things here one mm-hmm. it's really cool that they bring back bishop even though it's just his voice they use mm-hmm. like a some sort of practical effects to make it look like it's mm-hmm. him but it's anyways i really loved seeing bishop in this movie and two is with this movie being the third in the series we know the formula already, but they still find a way to make this movie mysterious. Yeah. Like it's, it's just the things they're doing shouldn't work because we know what's coming, but it, it is still working on me. Yeah, totally. I, I, I'm, I'm with you, Tim. I, uh, I love this callback to the first one. Like I'm feeling a lot of vibes, um, like alien vibes from this movie because of the tone it's setting. It's, it's another like, claustrophobic um confined space where 
you know, there's a, a number of people, you know, stuck there going through it, looking for something. And you also get the android that's dead or whatever, and they're going to hook it up to try to get information out of it. And this effect, again, I think looks great. I think this bishop head looks so good. And he's, he's funny. Like, it's such a, it's such a great moment. He's sweet, and he's also kind of funny. It's just, you, he, he this head reminds you why you fell in love with bishop. Yeah, the voice for me. I love the voice. <laughs> the voice, but he's like, he like compliments Ripley on her haircut. He's like, nice haircut. I was like, oh, Bishop. Well, they she plugs him in. She plugs him in and yeah. she says, like, how do you, f- or how, like, how's it going or something like that? He's right. like, I'm, uh, I'm good, but my legs hurt. And he's yeah. like, he's, he's just a head. He's basically just a head. And he's he complaining that his legs hurt. He doesn't have, he doesn't have 90% of his body. <laughs> so good. He's so funny. Oh, man. Love yeah. Bishop. Uh, it's really funny. Uh, she has him review the emergency, uh, like what 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 the emergency was on the Sulaco, and he confirms that there was an alien on board. So, I feel like she knew it already, but now it's confirmed mm. for sure. Yeah. Now we're in the infirmary, where we get the iconic shot of the alien face to face with Ripley. Yeah, I remember that being the commercial. And seeing that on TV and just thinking, what? Like, yeah. how is she going to get out of that? There's, I was like, this, this can't totally. be in the movie because yeah. there's no way she gets out of that situation. I'm like, that must be the scene where she dies. Yeah. It's one of those, it's kind of one of those perfect trailer shots where it was, it gets you so amped, but it doesn't give anything away. Even though you, you think you're like, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen from there. Um, it's, it's just perfect. Yeah, it tortured me for a long time until I was finally able to see the movie. And then uh, we realized that it didn't kill her for obvious reasons. Yeah, and this entire scene is uh, really, really great, I think, starting with, um, like, Clemens getting killed. Um, that alien comes down, you know, grabs... We, we think Clemens is, again, it, give me the vibes of Alien again. We think Clemens is, like, one of the main players here. Just like we thought Dallas is going to be a main player, and he's out halfway through the movie. And uh, so it takes out Clemens. It goes... We get that iconic shot next to Ripley. And then it escapes out of the, like, roof vent, the air vent in the in the ceiling. And it, it looks... It, the, the shot... I can't really explain the shot. It's just... It's so cool and mysterious. It's just a shot of sort of the the back end of the alien kind of going up into that vent and then Ripley crawling past that sort of uh, where the camera was crawling past it. And then we kind of follow Ripley as she's scared. It's just it's very, very neat shot. When they hold on that vent after the alien takes off, there's just blood dripping out of that vent. Oh. So now that Ripley's seen an alien with her own eyes. She goes to convince Dylan that they may as well put up a fight or this thing's just going to kill them outright. So it's like, there's no reason not to put up a stand. Yeah. So they figure out a plan and we get to watch them set it up and then we get to watch them execute it. And while not everything goes perfectly according to plan, they are able to trap this xenomorph in a cell and now they can just wait (laughs) for backup to come. Not everything goes according to plan is understating that, Tim. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a big mess. Some really things happened early. blew the but... whole shit up. Like, a yeah. bunch of people died. <laughs> I know, but it, it didn't quite work. The plan worked. It wasn't worked. quite the plan, yeah. The plan worked, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And 
I, I like this blow up, this scene with everything blowing up. Um, again, effects look cool. Um, they do end up trapping uh, the alien. And uh, then they hit the sprinkler system to, you know, put out the fire. And we see a bucket crack, which is big foreshadowing for later in the movie. Right. Yeah, good call. And it was really cool. Nice. Uh, I was going to say that we know that backup is coming because ever since uh, the superintendent sent the message to home about Ripley, they immediately sent a craft out to come and extract her. So yeah, which, which is what I think is, yeah, again, kind of cool about the movie. Like they, the plan is someone's coming to help and they're going to trap the alien and they do it. And we're like an hour and 10 in, we're like halfway through the movie and they've done it. And so again, we're like, where, where are we going now? What's going to happen now? They play cards for an hour. <laughs> cool. <laughs> no, no, no. Here's what happens. The character Garlic lets them out, lets the alien out. I think it's Gallic. Gallic? I thought it was Garlic With because an... they said he smells I thought bad. It was, I thought it was Garlic too, but I looked it up on IMDb. It's an O. It's Gallic. Uh, he, this guy, this guy, Garlic, this silly guy, he's in awe of the creature. Um, I can only imagine that he thinks it's like his god or something like that. Because he decides to open the doors and let it out. And he asks it what he should do next. Mm-hmm. And it obviously kills him. It's great. It's perfect. It should kill him. I like that he calls it a dragon. Like, yeah, they're calling, calling it, a dragon. it a dragon the whole it's time. Cool. Yeah, Very which cool. I, I think is really cool. I always thought this thing might let him live. I'm like, he yeah. <laughs> laid <laughs> right. down an olive branch for this Xeno. He let it out. Like this thing might just let him go. I was like, it might walk past him. And there is a little bit of like a moment of anticipation there where he's just like, you know, what do you want me to do now, master? You know? yeah. It's just like, boom, like, I've done dead. it. Dead. I've yeah. opened the door for you. What now? Yeah. yeah. Now you die. <laughs> I've let you out. He has a great, he has a great scene earlier where, um, you know, we've been told he stinks and we've been told he's crazy. And there's this great shot where it just, opens on just like looking at a cigarette machine and you just hear him say cigarettes and then he comes flying in the picture and kicking the machine (laughs) to break the glass and then he starts just stealing all the cigarettes it's so funny that was funny that was like um no reason to have that scene in there but it's funny no it's like a little giving us a little moment of like of of humor in there yeah i i really enjoyed um this next moment where ripley gets onto the computer and is communicating with the network, quote, unquote, yeah. the network, um, which, I mean, is clearly Wayland, right? The network is Wayland. So I thought mm-hmm. it was really interesting that these two are connecting. And she's asking to uh, for, for like uh, permission to kill the alien. And they say, no, you can't kill it. So she tells that to Dylan and says that she thinks the company is coming to save it, not to kill it. Yeah. So that's like obviously going to help get him on board. Yeah. Now you kind of now you can kind of see where the movie's going to go, because when she knows they're coming to save it, it's like, OK, well, we know Ripley. We yeah. know what she's going to want to do with this thing. And I mean, the, the the inmates there, like, sure, they've got a good thing going on, but really it's not all that good. Like they're all they they said it earlier in the movie. They set it up. They're all kind of just or, or maybe they set it up in, in a few minutes or whatever. But they they tell us they're all basically just waiting there to die, right? Like they're waiting to be like taken by God to heaven is kind of like 
paraphrasing it, but that's what they, they tell us. But yeah, but they do like their thing. Like they don't give a shit about the outside world at all. So when Ripley's saying to Dylan, like, they're going to come and take it back. He's like, I don't care. Like at first he's just, he just says, I don't care. Like who fuck the world. I don't care. Like we got our own thing here. Sure. Get it out of here. Right. But their own thing is not that good. Right. Their own, their own thing is better than like being, being executed, I guess. But at the same time, nothing's happening for them. Nothing's going on. They're just like living this existence, this droll, dreary existence where they're just maintaining this plant. Like, and yeah, but you are right. Like Dylan says he doesn't care, but you know, Ripley ends up talking him into it and I guess convincing him to care. Um, yeah, they, they all come around to it. Like, like you're, you're right. They don't have a good thing going, but they think they do. So they all end up coming around to it that they should probably, you know, do something unselfish for the rest of the world, which is, I, I think it's that it's again, sort of their story of growing. Like where they've yeah, come there, sure. they've built their own thing, but now they actually get to do something good, um, which they all have to decide to do together. So Ripley's been feeling sick and goes to the bio bed of the uh, escape pod to see if she has an alien inside. And mm. she does have an alien inside. And That's it's a, too bad. It's a queen. Yeah, I don't know how she knows it's a queen. I guess she just knows. I think it looks like a queen. I think it had like okay. the the large like oh crown, okay. the large crown of oh, the yeah, queen. Right, right, okay. That's just my guess. You can't tell anything from those monitors where they're like showing you or no. showing it to you. But it's just like when you when you when you have the um, baby pictures, you know, from yeah, the exactly. ultrasound. Yeah, you can't see anything in there. <laughs> right. Now I had an interesting thought here around the gestation of a queen. And I had wondered if maybe um, an egg can only become a queen if it's in the right kind of host. So my thought was maybe Ripley, no matter what, like Facehugger lays an egg in her because of like her DNA that she would always produce a queen. So that's just something I, that's just something I thought about. They don't really like in the movies, they never really talk about that or like explain how a queen gets um, yeah produced or, or anything like that or why the queen gets produced so yeah it seemed seemed like a regular seemed like a regular egg seemed like a regular face hugger so i was i always wondered like how come it's a queen yeah uh that that, that i like that i like that uh that take on it now another really scary scene as ripley goes out looking for the xeno she feels like since she has this queen inside of her that the xeno won't kill her mm, but yeah. that's just a theory and we don't know. And she goes on this terrifying walk, just alone oh, yeah. through the tunnels and into rooms and into darkness. And I remember that again, that being such a tense scene is just really, really good filmmaking. And yeah, that's one of those scenes that sticks out to me that uh, I when I hadn't revisited the movie in, in some years, uh, as soon as that scene played, I was like, oh, I remember this one. It's yeah. it's really good. It's it, it also sort of flips the idea that the alien could be hiding anywhere. It flips it on it and it, it's cool. It's just like a cool idea all the way around that. Yeah, it wouldn't kill her for that reason. And uh, yeah, that's what happens. It, it She finds it and it won't kill her. And because of that, she asks Dylan to kill her once they kill the alien. Because she she can't let this thing come out, and she's not strong enough to kill herself. So she asks him to do it, 
and he promises he'll do it quick, easy, and painless. Yeah, she wants him to do it right away, but he he want, he thinks that they need her, um, or I, I think he thinks that that's a loss, you know. But if they can get the if they can get the alien first with her, then they win, and then they can do it. Yeah, they need a new plan now to kill this thing. So Dylan rallies the troops and just delivers one of his classic, like again pumping everybody up speech it's just it's yeah so this this one i really like because it's a sneaky one so he's already given he's already given like i don't know maybe six of these speeches already and we love them and then this time it's kind of a talk with everybody and he's just talking and it's just normal and then all of a sudden he starts kicking into one of them by the end and every you know i'm fist pumping by the end it was a sneaky one it caught me off guard yeah it's so good man he says you're all gonna die the only question is when This is as good a place as any to take your first steps to heaven. The only question is how you check out. Do you want it on your feet? Or on your fucking knees? Begging. I ain't much for begging. Nobody ever gave me nothing. So I say fuck that thing. Let's fight it. I think this is kind of just more of what I was mentioning before, where I think he realizes like, look, we don't have a lot going on here. Like, yeah. let's let's go out on our sword rather than just waste away here for yeah. 40 years. Like, let's let's have an honorable death. Our, like, they're all criminals. Yeah. They've all done terrible things. If they can have this moment just to redeem their characters, like, isn't isn't that worth doing? And, you know, yeah. that's how he gets them to to get on board with it. And they are, they're all pretty hurt of uh, losing their friends that the alien has already killed. And totally. so it's a little bit of a re- revenge for them, too, because yep. they're such a tight group. And so I think he, yeah, he gives, he gets them going with that, too, because Ripley basically tells them the company that's coming, they don't give a shit about anybody who's died. They don't care about your friends. So if you care about them, you got to take it into your own hands. Yeah. And you, and you need this speech because they don't have yeah. any weapons available to them. There's nothing. Right. I was, yeah, I was just going to bring that up. They don't have any guns at all, which is a huge switch from last movie where we had, we saw those super powerful guns that just blow those aliens into chunks. And that was, you know, it's such a, a change to go to this, a much slower movie and no weapons, nothing at all. So they actually have to figure out a way to trap this thing. It's very, it's very scary. It is scary. That's exactly what I was going to say is that these prisoners are probably scared. They're probably Mm -hmm. in fear. So they need a speech like this to motivate them to want to do this, like this terrifying yeah. thing where they're basically using themselves as bait to lead this alien somewhere. So, yeah. During this speech, they they are drinking Coca Colas. Oh, excellent! Yeah, they had a they had a case of them in the in the corner. Very nice. Must have yeah, been it's a nice speci- to know that Coke, Coke survives. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah special. Ca- yeah, you know, it's like we're gonna die crack out the six pack of cokes (laughs) we've got three hours to live let's just let's drink all the coke drink the cokes crack out the cokes so they set this new plan in motion and again the alien is chasing them through these tunnels and that final kind of chase scene through these tunnels is just that's another memorable one for me one of the kind of the 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 handful of this movie that just always stick with me is this alien chasing that these guys through the tunnels and them trying to like once it runs through a doorway, then somebody closes the door and kind of traps it a little bit closer to this uh, where the, they can melt it with this lead. 
Yeah, this is this scene, though, is the problem that I've always had with the movie. And I just have no idea what's going on ever. Like when every time I watch it, I just don't really know what's going on. I don't know what they're even trying to do. Like, I know they're trying to get it into that room, but I, I just don't understand if there's any progress being made. Like if the alien's doing the right thing or if the guys are doing the right thing. Um, so that that's just my only hang up with it. I just don't really love the ending. It looks like I like the I like the visual of it, but I just don't really like how the whole thing's playing out because I don't really get it. Yeah, I, I hear you. It's tough to see what's going on because you're given yeah. um, a bunch of weird shots. Like you're looking at it from the alien's point of view, then you're looking at it yeah. from person's point of view. The alien is like running circles in the tunnel. So it's like going from upside down to right side up. Uh, yeah. For me, I always just thought like what you have is you have a guy running down a hallway, getting the alien to follow, and then they close a door so the alien can't backtrack. So they're trying to lead it closer and closer to where they want it to go. So I always just assumed that if they closed the door, that they were making progress because they were that's what they were trying right. to do is close doors once the alien ran through it. So, But you're right. You don't really know like yeah. how. It would have been cool if there was like a guy sitting at uh, a computer terminal kind of watching yeah. this on like a map and just showing you like you guys have progressed this far. These are the tunnels that's gone through. This is where you need it to go next. Uh a map of reference would have been would have been nice there. Yeah, definitely. And even some explanation about that final room they were trying to get him in, because then yeah. when they did start up the thing they were supposed to, it was just so slow moving. I was like, were you expecting to keep him in this room for that long? Like he was gonna right. probably gonna attack you guys in here. Yeah. So I like here when they show us that the Wayland ship is coming in for a landing at the prison. Uh it just really adds to the pressure of the situation that's already pretty intense. Now, basically, even though they're leading this alien through the tunnels, it's still killing these guys kind of one by one. It's just picking them off. Yeah. Dylan sees one of the guys being killed by the alien, and he actually runs in and grabs it, or grabs the guy and pulls the guy to safety out of yeah. the grasp of the alien. Like, how badass was that? It, totally, yeah. Dylan's amazing. the best. He's the best. So they've come to the point where they're actually having some trouble now getting the alien to follow any further. And Dylan grabs Ripley in, in like an attempt to help her and to, to get her out of the way of the alien. And they realize that the Xeno has a major reaction to that. So uh, Dylan mm. kind of more forcefully starts dragging her and starts using that as the way to get the alien to follow. Right. And they're able to trap it in that area and uh, they want to pour this hot light on it. So Dylan stays true to his character all the way to the end here where he sacrifices himself to save Ripley. And it was tough yeah. to see Dylan go. I just loved him so much. And then Ripley's very distraught because she needs Dylan to kill her because she can't kill herself. And they have a little bit of an exchange and Dylan tells her to use the lead, use the lead to do it. So this is interest an interesting part because like Dylan clearly sacrifices himself for Ripley when he knows that she you know, possibly has this alien inside her. So I'm not really, I'm not really sure because one of them has to stay down there to um, like just basically distract the alien that's down there to make him stay down there and go for whatever humans there. And Ripley's like, okay, I'll do it. And he goes, no, 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 you go first. We're getting out of here. And she goes and he takes like one step on that ladder and he's just like, no, 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 I'll stay. I'll stay. 
So it's it, it's like he didn't they didn't he didn't even almost get away. You know, it's he knew that she was going to get away and he wasn't. It's uh it's a cool moment for his character. I just don't know why he does it. Like I don't know why he's saving her when she well, could possibly when she could possibly have danger inside of her. Unless he just like doesn't quite believe that. I don't know. They weren't going to be able to pour the lead on it unless she goes up, right? If the two of them can climb up, I think they're able to pour the lead on it. If he goes up, I think the alien just leaves Ripley alone and chases him up the wall. Mm. Oh, so, okay. But if yeah. he stays right. and she goes, it doesn't care about her. It's going to let her go and do whatever she wants to do. He buys it, buys some time to keep it in that location. And meanwhile, she can get up to the top and drop the lead. That's a really good point. It's after him. It's not after her. It doesn't care about her. Right. Uh, it cares about protecting her. So that's why it's mostly after him. Yeah. So he needs to stay down there to keep it down there. That Yeah. Good point. So Wayland's team shows up and is trying to save the alien. And this team is led by a, a new bishop. A new bishop there. Yeah. What the heck? So uh, probably another another android. But uh, it's too late. The lead, the hot lead gets poured on the alien's head. Yeah. And then it jumps out in a jump scare. But they hit it with the cold water that you foreshadowed with the bucket, and it explodes. The cold water on hot lead explodes. It's great. It's a really cool foreshadowing moment. Like, it's just a simple thing as a a bucket cracking that you just don't pay any attention to at all. But it basically tells you, like, this is how they know what to do at the end. This is how they know to turn on the water at the end because they saw the bucket crack. Like, it's it's so good. So there's only one alien left now, and it's inside Ripley. Mm. And New Bishop is pleading with her to save it. Um, he's panicked. He's just panicked that this thing might get killed. There's He yeah, says there's panicked. so much they can learn from it. But in a very dramatic movie moment, Ripley allows herself to fall into the hot lead and... Damn, dude, I was not expecting that when I when I saw that movie no. for the first time. No, not expecting it at all. And uh, this is another moment with the music, Tim. This music that's playing right now, the score that's going on. Oh, it's crushing. Uh, it's crushing. It's crushing. It's super crushing. I, I watched it. Um, You know, I did my second viewing right before we hopped on the podcast. And I was sort of eating my uh, dinner while it was finishing up. And I just let the credits roll because when the cred- when it hits the credits, it goes back to that score or it's I guess it's still on that score. And it just was reminding me, flashing me back to that. It, that moment's powerful. This was a really nice moment in the assembly cut where as she's falling, the alien does not burst out of her chest. In the director's or sorry, in the theatrical cut, the queen bursts out of her chest as she's falling halfway down. And she kind of okay. grabs it to hold it um, kind of into her body and they fall into right. the lava. So I had forgotten yeah. that this assembly cut didn't have that. It's so huh. much better. So much Again, better. it's just like they're trying to like destroy these characters that we love in like the most vicious yeah. ways. Like, it, okay, we don't need one final jump scare there at the end no. like of this alien coming out. It ruins this nice moment for her. So the assembly cut, they don't have that. It's such a nicer moment. Ripley's already dying. Like Ripley's already like the moment is already powerful enough. We've already been with her for three movies. We don't need this. So we get the final scene here with uh, a transmission that's being typed and it reads 
Wayland Yutani, Work Prison, Fury 161, Closed and Sealed. Custodial presence terminated. Remaining refining equipment to be sold as scrap. And that's the end. Um, Tim, what's your thoughts on other bishop? Like this guy claims, this bishop claims he is not an android, that he is a he he is a human. No, and a- that android. he android. You think he's an android? Yeah, hundred percent. He gets cracked yeah. with a crowbar. Yes. At one point, and he's just kind of like he's just like he acts like an android getting hit by a yeah. crowbar, not a human. Yeah. So f- for that reason, if they didn't put that crowbar part in, yeah, then I think it's left up for debate. What what do you want to choose? But the simple fact that he gets cracked over the head and doesn't really react like a human, I think he is another android. Probably just the next upgraded model. I'm I'm 100% with you, man. Um, his ear is like hanging off of his head and he yeah, exactly. doesn't seem to care except for that he's yelling, I'm a human. <laughs> That's what he's yelling while he's getting cracked over the head. Like, if I got hit over the head with a crowbar and my ear was hanging off my head, I wouldn't yell, I'm a human. I wouldn't be trying to convince everybody that I'm a human. I would be screaming. <laughs> so I thought that that was cool. I, I thought that it was cool that they presented this bishop. Um, Ripley did not trust him. She was like, you're just another android with a with a familiar face sent to me so that I'll agree with you. Um, and he keeps saying, no, I'm a human, no, I'm a human. And they don't actually tell us. They just have him getting cracked over the head yelling, I'm a human. Um, not with the, like, there's no milk coming out. It's blood. So he's probably some sort of upgraded version. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I, I just, I, yeah, I, I 100% think he's an android in that moment. And I like that we aren't told. Yeah, that's, it's awesome. Okay, so I think overall, this movie is clearly not as good as the first two. But oh, yeah. I think the ideas that they, they have in this movie are on point. And I think knowing now that Sigourney Weaver would only come back if those demands of hers were met, I think mm. this movie, it works out just fine. I don't have beef. I think they did an excellent job with kind of what they were forced to do. It's the only way to do it with, with the demands she had. It seems like it's the only way to do it. If she basically, has to die basically. at the end... If she has to yeah. die at the end, that you can't have Hicks and and uh, Newt around, so they got to right. die some way. So you know, fine, get them out of the way at the beginning because your big death at the end is going to be Ripley. Yeah. So a couple of things I wanted to uh, to to get in still is that James Cameron called this movie a slap in the face to him and to Aliens fans, and Michael Bean. Um, they used his face in a graphic at one scene in this movie and he got paid more money for that than he did for his role in aliens <laughs> Perfect. just to use his likeness. Yeah. He was well deserved. <laughs> he was very upset that his character was getting killed and yeah. didn't want to be a part of it. And when he heard that he was sort of like his likeness was being used, he demanded yeah. to be paid, got paid more. Good. Good job. Good for him. Okay. Now. We're going to try something new here, Dean. Our, our friend of the podcast, Frank, reached out on Facebook, and he thought it might be interesting if we did some trivia about the movies with each other. And I think that's a great idea. We both love trivia. I love movie trivia. I play it weekly. I'm, I'm very excited about this idea. It's a fantastic idea. We were trying to figure out what to do um, yeah. for this. And what we've decided to do is we are each going to ask one question to the other person, a trivia question, 
from the movie. It's something in the movie and basically something that I think if you were paying the right attention at the right time, you'll be able to get the trivia question, but ultimately it's going to be uber hard and there's a good chance we might never answer one of these correctly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yes, but it's going to be, it's going to be fun. So we're going to do trivia. Thank you, Frank. Great suggestion. Uh, We appreciate it. Great idea. Yeah, it, it'll be a big feat if we get one. That's the type of question we want it to be. We right. want to be pumped if we get it. Here we go. Dean, when preparing for the first trapping of the alien, the prisoners open up a cabinet with a flammable warning on it. Inside are a dozen boxes, and they start grabbing them. What phrase is written on most of those boxes? Hmm. Good question. Good question. I had already given up uh, pulling together all my trivia questions by this time. Um, um, let's go with uh, 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 keep dry. That's a good guess. That's a good guess. It's just, this is just not the type of thing you could guess. You would have had to have yeah. just noticed it. It said, do not jostle. Oh, oh, awesome. What a great one. Do not jostle. <laughs> That's awesome, Tim. That's good. That's a good one. Okay. Um, okay. I'll go with the one I have the hardest on here. According to Clemens, how many years has it been since a case of cholera has been reported? Dude. 200 years. Oh, no. <laughs> you nailed it. That's so Was that funny. your other question? No, that wasn't. But I was just thinking, just as you said, Clemens, I was like, I forgot to bring up the part about cholera because I wanted oh, no. to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. I specifically know this one. Uh, and here's why. I thought it very strange. This was a very strange thing yeah. to say in the movie because- yeah. This is when Ripley is saying, this is how Ripley's trying to explain to them why she needs to do this autopsy. And she's worried about an outbreak of something. And uh, he, the guy's like, what is it? And she says, it's cholera. And, and he says, there hasn't been an outbreak of cholera in 200 years. And I thought, I was like, oh, cool. This is where they're explaining to us how long she has been in cryo for. Because she right. doesn't know that um, cholera is gone, but interesting. doing some research, it turns out this is immediately after two. It's like the same year or one year after. So I found it even more strange because what you're telling me is that when, like with her timeline, when she was alive, um, she didn't know that call there, there was a cure for cholera. Yeah, she didn't know that there hadn't been a case of cholera in 120 years or 140 years. In her lifetime, when she was alive, wow, she didn't yeah. realize that cholera had been cured. That's very, that's very strange. It just, it just caught me off. Like, why did they say yeah. that? Like, why wouldn't she know? So, yeah, no kidding. That was very, very strange. I think mine was a lot harder. I apologize. Um, oh no, yours yours was good. Mine mine was pretty hard. It just stuck it was out to hard. You. I just it's yeah it stuck out to me for that weird reason. Basically, because I thought it was like okay, they didn't tell us how long the transition from two to three was, and I thought that's yeah. where they imp- they input it. So I wanted to talk to you right, about that. Yeah, yeah. Then researched a bit, and it was just this weird thing that they threw in there. But okay, cool, uh, awesome. That's fun. 
Uh, I'm yeah, looking totally. forward to doing that more. That's going to be You're good. You're up 1-0. I don't think we'll keep track, but um, <laughs> that that's fine. It's just fun. It's fun to get it. If you get it, awesome. So we've got uh, just what if. We're going to do our what if here. What if? So, Dean, I really enjoyed the mystery in this movie, but quite a bit of it is lost because we see early on that there is most certainly an alien amongst them. So the work that Ripley's doing to investigate is somewhat lost on us. Like, it's very big for her and for the prisoners, but it's kind of lost on the viewer. What if you stuck a bit closer to the formula of alien and aliens and take longer to show us the presence of an alien? Continuing to build up that mystery, what does that do for the movie? Because they really get into the alien really quick, right? Like, basically, the first scene, we're told there's an alien. What if we didn't know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's introduced in a strange way because nobody knows but us. Like, nobody knows but but the viewer. So, they're all trying to figure it out. But we know that it came in, in, in an ox. So... I feel like if we didn't see the ox scene, um, yeah, it would, I like that mystery. I like maybe even the, still Murphy still dies, but like he's looking down a hole and we just have a shot from like above where he's just looking down. We don't see what he sees, but we see him like sort of jump back, stumble, fall into the fan. Um, So that whole thing can be the same without sort of showing us that there is an alien there. I think that does build mystery. I think that is more suspenseful. I kind of like that. Um, I do feel like we need to know how it got on the ship though. So I don't know where that comes into play. Um, yep. but I like, I like the mystery without knowing. I do like that. I, I think that would have been really cool because like we would be like Ripley where she's trying to figure out like, is it, is it, uh, an accident or is it the alien? I don't really want to spill the beans yet unless I know it is for sure an alien. So I, I really like her trying to figure it out. So I would have, I would have. Yeah, I would have enjoyed it as a viewer to be along along the ride with her and not quite know. Yeah, I think so too. Because I, I, I obviously I mentioned it a few times in the podcast. Yeah. That was one of the things I was really in, enjoying about this movie was this mystery. This they're trying to like solve this mystery of whether there's an alien there or not. I yeah. think if they really dug their heels into that, I think it would have helped helped out a little bit. So, anyways, uh, all right, man, that was fun. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, I I was really surprised. Like I said, I love the franchise, but but like I I never have loved this movie and I really enjoyed it. It was really solid. I mean, I I kind of love every movie in this franchise, so we'll see if it if even my rankings of it change, but I enjoyed it far more than I ever have this watch around. I really can see what it has to offer and I know what mood I need to be in to watch it and I will now watch it more than I thought I was going to. Nice. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. All right, Dean. Thank you for joining. Yeah, man. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you next time. Hello. 
Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. If you're looking for additional content from Talking Back, sign up for our monthly newsletter. We'll be doing monthly wrap-ups, sneak peeks, we'll show you some behind-the-scenes stuff, we'll be sharing recommendations, and who knows what else is going to go on. Find a link to the sign-up form in the bio of any of our social media accounts, or feel free to reach out to Tim or Dean and we'll set you up.